title of the message this morning, if you're a note taker, is Built Different. (laughs) Built Different. Luke 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Or you could say because it was built different. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground with no foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you want to really make your title special, you can do hashtag built different. Uh, but one time, Logan, why did you look like that, man? He said, oh, just shook his head. He's disappointed in me. Uh, one time when I was an eight-year-old kid, we were visiting uh, family friends in Canada. And uh, with the family friends, I remember I was eight years old, by the way. But with the family friends, we decided to build a big old fort or maybe a house uh, some could call it, out of, of logs, okay? You guys ever gone in the woods and tried to build a fort? Some of you are like, heck no, I've never done that. Uh, no, we talk in real branches. And uh, so we're building this, this fort, right? And uh, we're building it on a giant rock. It was like near, near some water, and there was just this area, there was just huge rocks. So we're building this fort on this rock, and it's this little house. And at one point, we find this like tree log, like we're talking like the whole trunk kind of log and so we're like oh we've got to make this be part of the house so we're trying to like all of us are trying to roll this thing right so we have like five people all children rolling this log and we roll it there's no way we're going to lift it to like make it stand up like a tp like the rest of the logs and so you just kind of put it next to the the rest of the the (laughs) fort right and uh, so we're playing it having a good time and then i'm like oh man i should i should climb on this log and so i climb on this log but the ground wasn't super level and it was a rock right so it's kind of so I climb on this log, and you guys ever seen someone who like gets on a log and then is like walking on it and rolling it? Yeah. And they look like they got some swagger with it, right? They got some, you know, there's some skill there. So I'm an eight-year-old kid, and then it starts rolling underneath me. And so I'm doing that like mistakenly, right? And so I'm doing that, and then I just, whoo! And you know, I, I, when I got up on there, I thought I was built different. But then I hit the ground, landed on rock, and realized, no, nah, I'm the same as everybody else. And uh, I got a big welt on my back, this big gash. And I just like, you know when you're eight years old and something really hurts and you can't even cry, you just scream. You're just like, and your whole body just kind of contorts. Like, oh, like that, but louder because you're eight years old. And I'll say that again. How old was I? Eight years old. And, uh, you know, when I, when I think about that moment in my life and that, that fall, I think about the, the crash of this house that Jesus tells in this parable, right? As that, as that house comes crashing down, he says, and the destruction of it was complete. I was done playing with the fort that day. <laughs> but when Jesus tells this parable, many of us, can, well, if you're anything like me, when you hear this parable, the, what you have, the images you have in your head are two like modern day homes built on the beach, right? And you have one and you think about one like built on just sand and you're like, that person is an idiot. What are they thinking? Building a house on sand. Nobody would ever do that. And then we think about the other house, and it's like this nice condo or something, you know, I don't know. Some really nice building that's built normally, and we're like, that's great. Normal person, right? And we think, who, who could possibly 
be foolish enough to build a house on sand, right? I'm here to tell you that that's not what Jesus has in view. One, nobody built their homes on the beaches back then. But two, building a house was very different in the first century in the Middle East than it is today in our Western culture. If you guys might have seen coming in, Malia and I are trying to build a house over there. Guess how much of that work in building that house we've done ourselves? Zero. Now for Melina, zero. For me, very little. <laughs> I'll give you 2%. Not even. Maybe like 1, 1.5%. I, I've done a little bit. Very little. Melina's done nothing, right? <laughs> That's not a roast. She's just pregnant. She's just pregnant. Uh, but how that... Yeah, she is building a human body. Anyways, um, how the house is being built is whole crews of workers with all power machinery, right? And, and the gravel that gets uh, brought over there is dumped by a dump truck. The cement that's poured is poured by a cement truck. And uh, all the, the wood, they drop it off. They deliver it, right? Like, that's very different than what Jesus has in view. None of those things were possible back then. How they built their homes was they built them with giant rocks that they would roll or carry over and stack in like little rock walls, uh, and they would use mud as mortar. And so that's what, they have, what Jesus has in view. Building a house was something that a few people did by hand. And it was extremely difficult. Back-breaking work, long hours, uh, done in scorching heat only in the summer because in the winter the rains come. And so Jesus has that in view. It was a very dangerous, hard task. And it required your everything. It required perseverance. And so Jesus is telling this parable about, about building your life. And he's saying it's like building a house in first century Middle East. But that thing about the sand versus the foundation, that's what Jesus has in view as well. If you go over to the Middle East in Palestine in the middle of the summer, you don't really see sand anywhere. You might have like a top, like this much silt over the top of the ground. But what the ground is, is, is rock hard clay. And in the summer, it doesn't rain. So it's just scorched by the heat all the time. One commentator says uh, that the ground over there is like bronze. One in color, but two in consistency. It's like metal. It's so hard. And so it, most of us could go over there and, and look at the ground, and we try to dig in it. Even if we have a pickaxe, we try to pickaxe, and we realize it's like, it's like chipping away at rock. And what we think is, oh, that dirt's not going anywhere. That's basically rock. Why can't I build my house on that? Why can't I build my house on that? And so many people have. But what happens is then the winter months come. And that's the rainy season. And that's when the rain comes and it soaks the ground and it soaks the ground and it keeps soaking the ground. And that rock hard clay from the summer eventually turns to muck and mud. And what happens when you have walls or a house built on muck and mud, Willem, as a uh, structural engineer, tell us what happens. You'd experience the liquefaction effect of the soil. All right. Okay. What that means? I, what that means? What, what, uh, what that means is the ground will heave, and the walls will shift. And remember, they're all built of rocks with mud mortar, right? What that means is slowly but surely, one rock at a time will pop out as it becomes loose and as the the, the walls shift. And then at some point, enough of the rock will shift that the whole thing, the whole structure will give way and it truly will collapse and its destruction will be complete. 
That's what Jesus has in view. And we all think that could never happen to me. I would never be the foolish enough person to build my house on rock hard clay that I think is rock. But most of us, maybe except Will, would do just that. When Jesus tells this parable, he's challenging the way that we build our lives. What he's also doing is he's challenging all the things that we put our hope in and the things that shape our behavior and the things that order our lives. <clears throat> a house, what we think about the, the metaphor of a house, a house gives us a sense of security. It has the potential to protect us from storms that might come our way. The house in the parable is your very life. It is the hedge that you built around your soul. It is the thing that you order your life with that guards and protects you. It's the thing that paves the path that you walk. It is the structure that supports the structures of your life. And I think when Jesus tells this parable, he's telling it to a great crowd of people, some who have dedicated their lives to him, some who are thinking about giving their lives to him, and some who are just there because he's an inspiring preacher. And I think Jesus has in view three different types of ground that people tend to build their lives upon or build their houses upon. And the question to ask yourself this morning is what is the foundation that you're building on? What is the structure of your life? And are you built different? Before I get into those three types of ground that I think we build our lives upon, I just want to give you guys a quick little aside. Um, can I get a show of hands? Who's had COVID over the last two and a half years? Twice. <laughs> Who's had COVID more than once over the last two and a half years? <laughs> Man, that is gangster. Okay. <laughs> So Malia and I have been directly exposed to COVID, like by multiple people in one time, at least 15 to 20 times over the last two and a half years that, that we know of. And so far, we have not tested positive for COVID. We're built different. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, knock on the wood of the cross for that one. I really hope that we don't get COVID, nor do we give it to anyone. But are you built different spiritually? I think Jesus has three different types of ground or three different types of foundations or lack thereof in view when he tells this parable. One, I think he has Roman sympathizers in view. That in the crowds he's telling this story to, there's going to be people who have started to kind of buy into the ideology of Rome. And Rome was the empire of Jesus' day. They were the ones who dictated culture. They were the majority culture. They were the ones who kind of showed you what the good life looked like and said, you should live like this. Right? We think the, the Olympic Games. We think about uh, kind of structure of roads, common safety, people who are protecting people. That was all from Rome. They had all the power, right? But they also dictated all of the culture. And Jesus tells this parable about two people building homes. And we think, man, Jesus was the first person to ever think about this. That's not actually the case. Jesus borrows this language from a parable that Isaiah tells in Isaiah chapter 28. He borrows it and he changes it up a little bit. But in Isaiah chapter 28, Isaiah tells this parable about God kind of speaking to people in Israel who had made a deal with the empire of their day, which was Egypt. And they had made a covenant with Egypt to protect them from another army that was coming to invade their lands. And they said, Egypt will protect us. We can trust Egypt. Look at, look at how they've built their lives. Look at how much power and protection and security and wealth they have. And what Isaiah says in this parable is that 
You guys have made a deal with death. And that house that you're building with Egypt will collapse. But God will offer you another house. One whose foundation would never collapse. And I think Jesus is borrowing that language and building on that same parable. And I think he has in view in his audience people who are kind of buying into the ideology of the culture of their time. Tax collectors might have been the biggest example of this. People who saw the wealth and prosperity of Rome and said, I want a little piece of that pie. And so they start working for Rome. I think the second group that Jesus has in view in this, in this passage when he tells this story is the religious leaders. Another way of saying that is the temple elite. In Jesus' day, Jews who thought they were the most faithful to God were those who had bought into the system of the temple, which is certain rituals, religious rituals, certain sacrifices for the sake of your sin, going there over and over again. And the religious elite had kind of seen this temple be built in Jerusalem, in the holy city of God. And they had this little area in the center of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And in the center of the Holy of Holies, there was this rock in the ground of the foundation that was slightly elevated above all the other rocks in the foundation. And they called it the Shetiah, which means foundation. And in Jesus's day, Jews started putting their hope in the religious rituals of the temple, in the Shetiah, in this idea of physical foundation. And they borrow that language straight from Isaiah 28, that God would lay a foundation that would never be destroyed. And earlier in their history, their temple was destroyed. But they rebuilt it and they said, this, if we can just buy into this system, if I can just do these good things, God will protect us, God will save us, God will fight and take away all of our enemies, if I can just do these things and make him proud. They built their hope and security on their religious practices. And I think the, the third kind of group of people and their foundations that Jesus has in view is the religious pietists. In other words, the people who were, were the most holy in Israel. But I don't think he's even talking to those people in particular. I think he's talking to people who put their hope in those people. There's a group called the Essenes. And these were kind of like religious hermits who go live in the desert and live by themselves in small communities. And what they believed... This is a direct quote from some of their scrolls. What they believed was that when there was a group of 15 men who were, in, in regards to good works, perfect. When there was a group of 15 men in Israel who had perfect good works, then God would lay the foundation. And those people would be the foundation. And then God would save them and bless them and take care of them. And for them, their hope was in people. And I think we can relate to some of these things, some of these foundations. For us, I'm going to try to simplify them for our day. Number one is culture, the image of empire that's showing us a vision of the good life. For us today, these are images on our Instagram feeds of the girl with the quote-unquote perfect body or the guy with the best abs and the nice gym fit. You guys all have that friend who's constantly posting pictures of himself in the gym with the, the tricep balls, you know what I'm saying? Uh, is that you? You just look sideways. I'm just kidding, bro. I'm just kidding, bro. When I said that, you went... Um, no, but we all have a friend like that, and it's not Ryan. I'm just kidding. Ryan is very athletic, though. 
Uh, but we have, we have friends like that, and, and we see that, and we desire that. And it starts to shape the way that we do our lives and the way that we structure our lives. It's, po- you know, it's, it's possible to see this in the promise of academia as well. We think about the promise of academics, that if you get this degree, you'll be made whole. So, some of you, maybe someone who's older and has been through this, laughs at that, right? But many of us actually think, man, once I get this degree, then I'll be able to get my dream job. Then, I'll, then everything will fall into line for me. Yeah. But talk about people who have graduated college and are working the job that they anticipated getting, and you realize it's not necessarily all it was cracked, cracked up to be. And some of you guys are laughing because you're like, man, that is way too true for me. <laughs> Education, there's actually signs at Virginia Tech and Radford that say this explicitly. Education, we think, is the pathway to your success. Brittany's nodding because she's seen that sign at Radford, right? The pathway to your success. Is it really? Is education really the thing that's going to make you successful? And is that what your life is all about? We start to believe these things. We start to believe that our culture is dictating this vision of the good life for us, and we should have that. And then we start practicing doing the things that our culture says we should do. And our life, our house starts to have walls that look just like the rest of our culture. Our house that's built on culture will collapse. The second one is religious duties, right? Doing religious things. Jesus never denounced the temple. He loved the temple. Rather, he denounced the temple as our God. Because some of us, we do all the right things religiously. We have daily devotions where we read our Bible each morning religiously. We go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday we have midweek Bible study. And you guys show up. Some of us do all the right things. But we don't become any more like Jesus. And we don't become any closer to Jesus. And what happens is our religious duties end up becoming our God instead of God himself. And what happens when we fall into this trap, when we start building this kind of foundation, is we start looking at other Christians and we think that we are better than those other Christians. And we end up sinning just like them in our self-righteousness and our pride. And what we find is that our hope is not built on Jesus himself. It's built on ourselves and our traditions. And we subconsciously start to believe that God will bless us and give us what we want if we just keep doing these right things. I can relate to that because I've been there. But then tragedy hits and we start asking God, why? God, haven't you seen what I've done? Haven't you seen my, my dedication to you, my sacrifices for you? How could you let this happen to me? Our house is built on our religion will also collapse. And then thirdly, we have people. We start building our foundations. We start setting our hopes on people. And people and what they think of us and how they treat us start to be the walls that structure our homes, our very lives. Think about it like this. Do you ever constantly think about what other people are thinking about you? Maybe even when you come here this morning. Think, I'm coming to church. What are those people going to think about me? How are they going to think about how I'm wearing? How are they going to think about my voice when I'm singing or my words when I'm speaking up here? I relate to this. I think as, as someone who pastors a church, who, who gets up here and preaches a lot, I can constantly be thinking, well, how can I make sure that every person here is happy? How can I make sure that everybody has a good relationship with me? 
or people I live with? How can I make sure I, I, I fit in in their, their line of, of thinking? Or I start judging their line of thinking and think, well, they don't understand me. They don't understand what I'm going through. And what happens is that people start dictating the foundation of my life. And if you've ever experienced this, if you've ever put your hope in a person, what you'll realize is that people will inevitably hurt you. People will inevitably fail you, at least in your perception, to some extent. And when you've really started putting your hope in a person, and then you get your heart broken, or then you really get let down, or you get betrayed, then you realize, oh my gosh, the system's broken. Well, really, we're putting our hope in the wrong place. We're building our, our houses and our lives on the wrong foundation. People will also fail us, and those homes will also collapse. So which type of foundation do you lean towards? As I'm, as I'm saying these things, what tends to be the things that structure and order your life, that you think about the most, that you put the most hope and security in? Are you allured to the ways of the world and our culture? Or do you try to summon God to do your will if you would just stay in his good graces by your good deeds? Or do people have the greatest sway on you? Are you constantly being thrown back and forth emotionally based on how others treat you or don't treat you? Your answers to these questions might shine some light on your foundation. And I can relate to all of these. But all of these foundations will collapse. They do not stand the storms. And the storms do come. I can promise you that. And your lives built on these things. When the storms come, you'll find collapsing all around you. If we want our houses to stand, if we want to experience true peace, true comfort, true security, we must be built different. And Jesus says the way to be built different is to build your life on him by doing what he says. And I think the main idea with that is to practice what he preached. Not practice what I preach. You know, we say you got to practice what you preach. It's like you've got to kind of come up with the right ideas and then do the right ideas and make sure people see that you do the right thing. Right? That's what we kind of think about. No, we've got to practice what he preached. This means not just hearing my words today but actually going home and doing them. That's not my words, by the way. That's what Jesus said in this passage. Some of us think we can follow Jesus and still keep being impure. Or we think we're following Jesus because we keep reading his word each morning, yet his word does not change us in the slightest. We still treat people as if they're objects to do our bidding or to meet our needs or to make us feel better about ourselves. We think we're following Jesus, yet it's not his words, but everyone else's words that seem to control us and dictate us. We must practice what he preached. So this week, let's actually love those who discourage us or annoy us. Let's actually pray for others. Let's actually be generous with our time, our money, and our resources. Let's actually hear Jesus' words today and be resolved to do them, to live them to order our lives in such a way that Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do. And I think we do this by starting our days with Jesus. 
over coffee or water or orange juice or cereal or whatever you start your day with. Start it alongside Jesus. Bring Jesus with you into your classroom and into your office. And actually ask him to be present while you're there. Ask him to be present with you in those spaces. Ask him to guard your sight, the things that you look at. Ask him to guard your tongue, the way that you speak. We practice speaking like Jesus with our husbands and our wives by being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We practice being like Jesus and living our lives according to his word by loving the poor and marginalized in our community like Jesus would, serving them, praying for their healing, and not judging anyone. We preach the gospel like Jesus by inviting others to study the Bible or join the community or follow Jesus too. All of this is a life that's structured around a foundation on Jesus himself, but begins with being with Jesus. And so I have a few practices for us this week that we can put into practice each day to help us center on and walk with Jesus. The first is start your day with Jesus. Start your day alongside him, speaking to him and hearing his word. Practice number two is each day just try to tell someone else about Jesus. Bring him into your conversations with others. And number three is say something Jesus would say to someone. The way Jesus would say it. I'm going to give you an example here. I see you. I see how hard you are working and how you do it diligently and faithfully. I see you. Thank you. Imagine if we spoke to people like that when we're stressed and rushed at the grocery store or when we're meeting somebody at a coffee shop or that new person we're going to meet in our class this this week or that person in the office that we never talked to. If we acknowledge their hard work and just see them. Uh, This is one, you know, since we, we talked about it, you can actually practice it right now. Look to the person to your right and to your left and just tell them, I see you. That's so tough, Micah. Maybe we should all do it at the same time, right? We all go. No, no that wouldn't work either. We'd have to do like every other person. As we begin to close this morning, you might be feeling overwhelmed by all of this. You might be feeling a little guilty or a little unsure of yourself. You might be feeling unsure if you even want to follow this, Jesus. If you feel like you can carry this burden of building your life on him. And if that's you this morning, if you're feeling that way, know this. Building your life on Jesus is not about you. In fact, it's not something that your strength and power actually does. It's about him. In fact, he is the one who builds your life on him if you'll let him. Jesus is the one who came to earth and became the foundation for you. He is our everything. There is no one else who will never let you down and never give up on you. There is no one else who has borne the weight of all of your sin upon their shoulders and hung on a cross for hours, brutally beaten and shamed for your sake. There's no one else. And because of Jesus, no one else will ever need to. When Jesus went up on the cross at Golgotha, a frightful storm came that day and it shook the earth 
to its foundation. In fact, it split that religious temple in two. And Jesus' body broke for us and his blood was poured out for us. All so that our house today, built on him, might not break. Jesus is the one who can strengthen you and build your foundation and cause you not to shake when troubles and trials come. And after all of this, he rose to life again, proving that he truly is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our hope. May we decide to be built different because we're built on and by Jesus. May he build our lives and may we decide to follow him. Amen. Thank you guys. (laughs) 